Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, is the great feast of Pentecost, one of the greatest feasts in the church year, this feast of the Holy Spirit. What I want to do today is reflect on the problem of the one and the many. I say, well, that's very abstract. And it's true, that is an ancient philosophical problem. You'll find it in Plato and Aristotle and everybody else. But the one and the many is also a spiritual and psychological issue of great importance. The one, unity, togetherness, is something we all want. We all crave it. Unity that brings us together. We're all about the same task, the same business. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. We love unity. It's a great thing. But in our sin, unity tends to become oppressive. It becomes monolithic. It tends to eliminate diversity in a way that we find very uncomfortable. At the end of the day, the one becomes a problem. And so we tend to oscillate toward the many. And manyness is a good thing. Diversity, pluralism, each one doing his own thing, respecting the good of the other. Creativity, novelty, all that's kind of under the rubric of the many, the novel, the new. But in our sin, the many tends to devolve into conflict, into division, separation, one against the other. See what I mean now about the problem of the one and the many being a psychological and spiritual problem. We oscillate dangerously back and forth between these two extremes. If only we could find the way to bring them into proper balance. Well, see, I think this feast of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, is all about finding just this balance. Let me get at it now by relating our story of Pentecost to a great story found in the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis. I'm talking about the story of the Tower of Babel. So very early on in human history, the Bible tells us, there was one great language, one culture, one people. And upon the basis of this unity and clarity, the people conspired to build a mighty city and with a tower reaching up to heaven. Listen. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Hmm, that's a very telling little line, isn't it? If we're biblical people, we should be automatically on our guard. Let us make a city for ourselves. Let's make a name for ourselves. What we hear is the language of self-absorption, pride, self-striving. 
our projects, our plans, our endeavors, even daring to rival the heavens. And mind you, not one mention of God. No mention of worship. No mention of serving the Lord's purposes. No, it'll be our city, our tower. Look at us. This is unity unsubordinated to any spiritual purpose and therefore a unity which will become destructive. Now, does this story remind you disturbingly of our own time? There are lots of theologians, lots of spiritual writers who have made precisely that connection. Anyone that's lived through the horrors of the 20th century knows about the difficulty of this kind of unity. When human beings think we come together in our way for our purpose and God marginalized, what happens is destruction. Think of Hitler's Third Reich. Ein Reich, ein Führer, ein Volk. You know, one nation, one leader, one people. Think of the terribly oppressive unity of the Soviet Union. Think of the unity of Mao's China, everyone dressed the same way, everyone thinking the same thoughts, everyone in lockstep. And in all three of those cases, God marginalized. What happens there is something terrible and destructive. It's unity run amok, if you will. Now, listen to God's comment from the book of Genesis when he sees this little project of the Tower of Babel. God says, Look, They are one people. This is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. So come, let us go down and confuse their language. Boy, is that a powerful line. It's almost like a terrible prophecy, isn't it, of our own time. This is only the beginning of what they will do. Here's what human unity separated from God, will do. It'll become destructive, totalitarian, monolithic, oppressive in the extreme. And so please, Christians, don't read God's punishment here as something arbitrary. God falls into a snit because they're not honoring him, so he decides to break up their language. No, God's punishments are always salutary. What I mean is they're trying to move us in the right direction, in a better direction. What God does here is he breaks up a phony and false and destructive unity. He reintroduces a healthier sense of diversity precisely because these Babel people are becoming totalitarian. The scattering here of the languages and the scattering of the people is actually to the good. Okay. Now the biblical story unfolds. What do we find? That scattering in itself, the divided people, that in itself is not a good thing. Because that now leads to warfare, division, separation, violence. Their unity was a problem, but now this diversity is also a problem. How often throughout the history of Israel we have this problem of the scattered tribes. The scattered tribes. How they long to be reunited. So how do we get this right? 
How do we solve this problem of the one and the many? Now we come to the New Testament. Jesus comes preaching one great theme, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Now, is that the proposal of a great unity? Yes, it is. A kingdom, a nation, a people. But wait. It's the kingdom of God. The trouble with the Tower of Babel was it was a kingdom but not of God. It was a purely human project, operation, program. What that leads to is oppression, totalitarianism, violence. But a kingdom of God. Now look, all of us united precisely in our common love of God. Now something like a proper unity will be achieved. Remember I think I've told you before about the great Greek philosopher Aristotle's idea. That a friendship or a marriage or a community will last only in the measure that the two friends, the husband and the wife, all the members of the community love not simply each other, but rather come together in loving a transcendent third. You see what he means? A married couple, they just love each other. That will devolve into mutual egotism over time. But a married couple who together love God, they will grow in the proper unity. Friends who love just one another will eventually fall apart. But when the friends come together in a common love of God, then their friendship will endure. A people that are simply bound together for earthly goods, they will fall apart. But when the community comes together around a common love of God, that community will endure. Now, that's exactly what we have in Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. He does want to unite the tribes of Israel. He does want to unite the people, overcome the scattering and division. But to do it not monolithically and not violently, not like the Tower of Babel. And he does it by bringing all people under the lordship of God. We see this, I think, fully flourishing on this great feast of Pentecost. Jesus rises from the dead. And then he and the Father, listen, send the love that connects them. The Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. They breathe into the church this love that obtains between them. And what does that allow to happen? That allows the church as a properly functioning unity to emerge. Not a Babel-like unity of oppression. Not scattering and violence, but a properly ordered community. Now listen as the Acts of the Apostles describes this. The Spirit rushes upon the apostles. The tongues of fire come upon them. They begin to speak at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. 
Now listen. There were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed. We are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya, as well as travelers from Rome. And beautiful. All the nations are gathered symbolically in Jerusalem. All their different languages, all their different customs, their different nationalities. But yet, they all hear the disciples speaking in their language. Ah, this is the image. The Holy Spirit, which is a spirit of love, unites the people, but without suppressing their individuality without suppressing what makes them unique. There's never the suggestion here that all these people abandon their nationalities. No, 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 no. Remaining themselves, they come together as one. And friends, this is what the Holy Spirit alone can accomplish. Because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of love, therefore the unity involved is not an oppressive unity not a monolithic unity, but rather a unity that allows the other to be other. Ah, it's the great paradox. It's the great paradox. Only Christianity, only the Holy Spirit, finally solves this great problem of the one and the many. And that, I think, is at the very heart of our celebration of Pentecost. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.